tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Keep playing. Keep working. Keep going. And keep moving with the exceptional orthopedic care at Baptist Health. With an experienced team and a full line of advanced services and procedures, it's no wonder most people choose Baptist to help them keep on keeping on. Visit baptisthealth.com ortho to find a Baptist Health provider. Big pick set out on top, but the ball is loose. And oh, now they get it to see that it's going to be Louisville in front. Oh, 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 incredible. The Louisville native Ahmed Ali was here earlier once said, I shook up the world. In BCS Bowl terms, you guys shook up the world. <laughs> oh, I'm the king of the world. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Hold it, hold it. You're not that pretty. I'm a bad man. First and third, two. The 2-2 from Iggy. Swing and a miss. The cards are headed to Omaha. Welcome into another edition of Louisville Sports Live, the city's longest-running all-UFL sports talk show right here on 93.9 The Ville. I'm Ethan Moore. He's Taylor Lynch. Zach Cantrell behind the glass. Zach Jack! <laughs> I like the pause there from T-Money. There you go. You know what we do. You know what we do at LSL, all things UFL football, basketball, and recruiting. And as far as the portal season go, we'll probably touch on all three of those topics tonight. Uh, but, Taylor, I know um, I have talked to you briefly before the program mm-hmm. aired. Um, let's start off uh, hot and heavy with Louisville football. Of course, the Cards cap off a 10-4 and season, unfortunately losing the last three games of the year. My, my stance, very, very disappointing. Uh, to close out the year, a very disappointing game last night. Uh, your thoughts on the cards uh, last night first, and then we'll kind of do a season review thereafter. Yeah, uh, you know, last night was disappointing. I mean, to to put it simply, it was not at all, I think, what really any Louisville fan expected. Even the fan that maybe didn't think Louisville would win, I don't think anybody thought that it was going to look the way it looked last night. And, you know, Louisville looking listless on defense uh, was not anything I had on my bingo card um, for last night. I mean, quite frankly, we we know that the defense overall has kind of been trending in the wrong direction the last couple of, of games. But last night to just not be able to get a pass rush at all, uh, to not be able to defend in the secondary uh, to, to continuously get beat. I mean, it's one thing if a guy beats you a couple of times, you know, because USC's, regardless of all the opt-outs and everything, USC still has athletes. Sure. And, and you know, to get beat once or twice, okay. But to just continuously 
line up and just get beat over and over and over again in the secondary. I think it just it brings up a glaring weakness that Louisville has at that position as far as height and speed. Uh, Louisville looked slow. I think really for the kind of for the first time this season on defense, they really looked like uh, they really looked slow, and and USC kind of made them pay over and over and over again. And then offensively, Louisville wasn't that bad offensively, but the areas where you really needed them to be elite, they weren't. I mean, when you really needed an explosive uh, big pass play, it never happened. Uh, Jack Plummer, you know, had his annual turn the ball over at least once or twice at the worst possible time, and he did that again, basically gifted uh, USC a, a touchdown there and giving them the ball you know I think it was at like the 10 yard line or, or something similar uh, something close to it but but basically gave USC a touchdown there with that turnover um, he was never right the entire game dislocated the pinky came back in and and you really couldn't tell because he didn't have any zip on the ball before that um, so it was just it was a mess and then and Louisville at the wide receiver position it was the first time really this season where you watch them out there and you're like Louisville's really lacking team speed at the wide receiver spot and and guys that can just go make a big play I think Jamari Thrash kind of hid a lot of that this season because of how dynamic he was but you saw when he got injured and came back like there was nobody to really pick it up and 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 kind of fill that void and and we saw that again last night Louisville just not having a big play wide receiver to the point that in the third and fourth quarter it was turn around and hand off to Isaac Garendo and then throw in the flat to Isaac Garendo on the next play so that yeah. he can receive it and then line up and hand it to him again and then throw to him again because he was the only one out there making plays for Louisville offensively I think it, it's it's hard for me to kind of put a pin on what exactly was the most surprising to me, whether it was the defense or the offense, not being able to, to throw the ball against a USC defense that had been terrible all season. And when that was when they were at full strength and they were not last night and seemingly held Louisville pretty much in check with the exception of the run game because Louisville was able to absolutely dominate. That's why I think that turnover by uh, Jack was so huge yeah. because if you don't turn the ball over there and you go down and score, then you can continue to just hand the ball off to Isaac Rendo. But Louisville turned the ball over, USC scored, went down and scored again, and then at that point you basically kind of have to scrap your plan offensively, and they still got Garendo involved, but if you were able to go down and score, and I think the game – I think USC was up by a touchdown at that point. The game was tied, something like that. But if you're able to go down and score, then you can keep running your offense and keep handing the ball off to Isaac Grendo because he was getting chunk play after chunk play after chunk play. Oh, yeah. Um, but Louisville got into a situation where they couldn't do that, and you have to, you know, you put a lot on Jack Plummer. And we saw Jack Plummer was his best this season when not a <coughs> lot was asked of him. And last night in that game, when you're down two touchdowns, a lot's going to be asked of your quarterback, and Jack did what Jack does, which was you know not be able to make the consistent throw, not being able that that fourth down play was like a microcosm of oh my god of Jack Plummer at Louisville. I mean he he targets the guy instead of throwing him open, he throws it behind him. He has to come back and get it, 
and and fall short of the of the first down. So, I mean, a lot to be desired after that one. Not the way Louisville wanted to end it. Not the way we wanted to see Louisville in that game. Still, a lot of things to be excited about, and we will talk about that and, and kind of preview the season a little bit later on. But last night, definitely rough, and losing three your your last three games, uh, definitely not the icing on the cake that you were hoping for. I thought what we saw last night was I don't know if reality check is the right word, but it shows why they're so active in the portal because they just don't have the guys that USC has. Yeah. Their second and third string guys are still really good. I mean, this is USC after all, and I, I think that's why they're going to work so heavily on the portal. They've got the number two transfer class. They had the number two, number three class last year. This is probably going to be the least deep Jeff Brom team that they're ever going to have. And so they yep. should be able to have you know backups and third stringers that when guys opt out or guys get hurt, they should have guys that are ready to go. And you know they don't they didn't have that yesterday. USC still did. But I want to see next year a different defense. I want to see them be able to do something other than get to the quarterback. Getting the quarterback's great, but if you don't get to the quarterback and everything else is open, it doesn't matter a whole lot. And you can't be so reliant on Ashton Gelati, can't be so reliant on that pass rush to masquerade the fact that the linebackers in the secondary just really didn't really do the job the second half of the year. And losing three straight, not only losing three straight, but losing three straight to backup quarterbacks as well, and with the exception of the team up the road. Devin Leary, uh, you know, obviously not the backup, but he lit him up. You know, Florida State didn't really light him up, but Miller Moss yesterday looked like he was throwing to Randy Moss the entire game. I mean, six <laughs> touchdowns just... Yeah, that Ron English has got to look in the mirror this offseason. Yeah. Yeah, the defense, there's no doubt about it. The defense has been on a slide uh, ever since that Miami game. I mean, you know, that was the last game Louisville won, 38-31. But, you know, case in point, you gave up 31 points uh, to Miami, who was lifeless on offense weeks coming into that game. Um, fortunately for the cards, the offense did make uh, the necessary plays to win that game. I, the week following with the team up the road, um, you had another careless plumber turnover. You had a Jawar Jordan fumble uh, who lost the first fumble of the season, of course, against that team in that situation. Uh, but, yeah, for me, though, guys, the areas of – there were two that really stood out to me, you know, position groups that were really disappointed. Obviously, one is the secondary, particularly the safeties. I mean – Swiss cheese, toast, all all game long. Oh, yeah. But for me, and Taylor, you mentioned it as well, it, it was the wide receivers. It was almost like last season with Hudson. It was him and then nobody else would step up. If he didn't have a big game, then, you know, the air attack was, was hit or miss. Yeah. And the same thing, except Hudson didn't have the speed um, that Thrash did. But, you know, fast forward to this season, you have – one playmaker that you can count on um, to make plays in in the open space in, in your receiving group with Jamari Thrash. After him, there wasn't anybody. Where was AH, uh, AHB? Mm-hmm. You know, where was Chris Bell? Dropping a where, bomb, uh, AHB was on the first play from scrimmage yeah. for Louisville. Uh, Chris Bell also didn't do much these last three games. Um, Kevin Coleman, I mean, he, he was – I mean – Am I being too rough when I'm saying he was disappointing this season? No. I mean, you know, you thought that he, along with Thrash, would provide that one-two punch, and it was just really Thrash. Now, you had a couple of games. Uh, Coleman um, against Miami comes to mind. AHB against Virginia and Boston College. Those games come to mind. But you didn't have a receiver. And, and that's why, guys, last night was so disappointing 
for that position group to me because this is when you had a showcase. You had a platform to rise above, to show Coach Brom and staff that you are ready to step in um, and compete to be a playmaker next season with the two other studs that you have coming alongside in the portal. So for me, um, if you're looking at it, where Louisville needs to get tougher in the portal, get better, I think you, you have to go get another speedster um, from, wide, from in the wide receiving group from the portal. Uh, you need to beef up that secondary. Um, you know, uh, that Nick um, Scourton, I believe, Scourton from Purdue is supposed to visit Louisville on January 4th. Uh, he only led the Big Ten in sacks. We definitely could use him. Yep. Uh, but you need a couple of other guys. You need some You need some more speed at linebacking core. But, but T, you mentioned it, man. That secondary looked Oof. slow. I mean, Storm Duck was cooked time after time. Neil had a terrible game. Uh, Riley was the only one that really played well. Of course, he had the big interception, had a couple of pass breakups. Um, Brownlee, I guess he's still hurt, not 100%. He didn't look all that great either. Just a very disappointing outing when USC had so many players opting out, man. This was a game that Louisville needed to win. And these last three games, you really needed to win at least one of these last three, particularly, in my opinion, um, against your arch rival. Um, but you didn't do that. Um, but still, for just the seventh time in school history, you win at least ten games in a season. And that cannot be overshadowed. That has to be mentioned. That has to be praised. Mm-hmm. But still, at the same time, um, it's, it's, not, it's it's a bad it's a bad deal when you lose the last three games of your season. Um, and at one point in the top ten, and now you're going to finish in you know the bottom, what, 20, maybe 20, 23 range. Again, still, yeah. finish the season ranked 10 wins. That's good. And, again, it should be praised. But, man, you, you left a lot out there on the table these last three games. You did. And, and I think, honestly, I think you're kind of a victim at this point for Louisville. I think you're kind of a victim of your own success. I mean, the, the way that they started the season, you know, coming out like gangbusters and – and rattling off those wins and then getting the big win over Notre Dame. And, and that win over Notre Dame, I, I think, you know, and now it looks a little bit different because of how Notre Dame finished the season. But still, at that time, that win over Notre Dame was huge. and it was magical. You, you just pushed the ceiling for this team that much higher. Um, and, and you kind of, you know, it's, it's a catch-22. You kind of, you're glad that you were successful and you're, and you're glad that you won that game. But now... The expectation level is is ratcheted up, and and what can this team do? And then you come out and you lay the egg against Pittsburgh, but then you battle back. You respond from that. You beat a ranked Duke team at home, and then you you rattle off some more uh, nice wins after that. You go on the road. You beat Miami. You're secure your spot in the ACC title game. You're ten and one, and you've got all these good vibes, and you've got all this momentum. And then you just don't follow it up. So I think that it, it, there's a reason why, and I've seen people, you know, online, you know, on on the Twitter X, and and you know, calling in, and oh, I can't believe Louisville fans, you know, you're disappointed with the ten win season, blah 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 blah. It's not the ten win season that Louisville fans are disappointed with. 
it's it's how you got there i think that that is the disappointment it's not the 10 wins the 10 wins are great it's the four losses and the way in which the four losses happen yeah. that i think is the problem no the 10 win season should totally be celebrated because you mentioned it they don't happen that often around here and it needs to be celebrated when it happens it's the way that you ended it and it's the fact that you were so successful so early and then ended on a thud. Zach said it earlier when we came in. He said it's given 2016 vibes. And he's absolutely right. Like it feels much in the same vein of that 2016. Obviously, there was no Heisman winner on this roster, but you start the season super strong. You end it by losing your last three games. Exact same way. Louisville started the season really strong. They crept up into the rankings. You mentioned it. They're in the top 10. You're thinking, okay, you know. You know, New Year's orange Six birth, birth, Orange Bowl yeah. birth, like, you know, what's what's the deal? And then you seemingly have Florida State right where you want them and can't muster so much as a pulse offensively in that game. You lose to the team up the road the game before that in a game that you had a 10-point lead and below that 10-point lead. Then you, you, and then you go to that ACC championship game. And then you go to this the, the Holiday Bowl against a USC team that's seven and five and had you know everybody opted out, and you can't get to their starting quarterback and you allow him in his first start to have six touchdown passes. Yeah. Like yeah, that's that's where the problem is. That's where the frustration is. And you know, I think next season is going to be a solid season. I think it may look a lot like this season based on the schedule obviously you have Notre Dame and you have Clemson on the schedule next year so that's going to be difficult but I think people are are frustrated because like I said you're a victim of your own success but this is a good thing this is a good thing to be frustrated about exactly it shows you where the fan base is that a 10-win season people are still finding fault in a 10-win season because the it's what Jeff Brom has done in the time that he has been here, the short time that he has been here. He has already elevated the expectation for the program. And I think that, you know, that hats off for doing that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's not how you started and it's not the 10 win season. It's we've, the way that you finished. We've it. reached the point that people are more frustrated about losing three straight than they are about the basketball program being yeah. where it is. But that's that's a testament to what Jeff Brom has done in year one. Mm-hmm. I think if you would have said in preseason, you're going to win 10 games. You're going to go to the ACC championship game. Everybody was signed up for that in a heartbeat. Absolutely. The problem well, yeah. is, in the as you said, in the middle of the season, things change. Expectations change when you're better than you thought or you're worse than you thought. And in this case, they're better than they thought. So now the expectation level is, you know, this is the year we're going to beat the team up the road. This is the year that we're going to win 11 games. We're, we got a real chance to win the ACC championship. I mean, how many times are you going to play a backup quarterback in a Florida State team that only scored 16 points in that game? You're not going to have that opportunity all the time. So it, it's a very it's a successful season. I would give it a B, maybe a B plus kind of year, but it felt like they didn't maximize everything that was there. It's like they had an A the entire year, and then the final exam, they just did not pass or they, they they got like a c or something like that it just it feels empty considering where they were in midseason considering where they were really even leading up to the team up the road game so it, it's a, a great season but i just wonder if people are going to remember how it ended because everybody always remembers how it ends more than really how it starts mm-hmm. yeah before we open up the phone line to 8150 of course hit us up on the ups jobs text line at 3831 93.9. I always ask this question. I'm going to ask you guys this, too. 
Um, you know, if you went, to, what was your my preseason expectations was eight and four. What, what were yours? Nine and three or eight and four? I think I said you and I agreed. We were both at eight and four. I think I went nine and three. Yeah, eight okay. four, nine and three. So, so I, I was I was asked this question. It's a great question, a great thought provoking one. So, h- how could you say at all that you're disappointed if you know Louisville overachieved from my and our standards? If we said eight wins and nine wins, and they got ten, and then it, it's almost kind of what you said though, Taylor, as well. Of you know, after you beat Notre Dame, you recalibrate. Mm-hmm. Everything is different now because you have shown um, that you're a better team than most people thought. So you know, while they did overachieve in the win total um, area, it's still you can still you know have some gripes with how the season ended, even though they exceeded your preseason expectations because they earned it. And again, I think at the end of the day, that's what. That's where you want your program to be. That's where you want your coaches to be. They understand too that they 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 left a lot to to be desired as the season concluded. But still, um, you know, we're on the right path. This is a fantastic foundation for year number one. Um, despite um, the the last three games putting you know a, a, a stain on what was a fantastic season. No, you're absolutely right. You know, you you. You get that that game against Notre Dame, and and like you said, you change things. You recalibrate what your level of expectation is. It's like a, that's why I said it. You were kind of Louisville was kind of a victim of their own success. And uh, in um, Blank tweeted this out a little while ago about Louisville was never able to kind of reclaim that feeling after the Miami game that that kind of like lightning in a bottle we've done it we're going to the ACC title game like that level of excitement they were really never able to capture that the rest of the season the the, the game against the team up the road you had it a little bit in the first half but the second half was another atrocious defensive performance and you allowed them to erase a 10 point deficit and come back and win that game and then we've already talked about what happened in the Florida State game and what happened last night. You kind of it's a it's a good thing that they are recruiting the way that they are in the transfer portal and that they've got such a good transfer portal class coming in to give you some excitement because this is the type of loss that just takes the wind out of the sails heading into the offseason. Yeah. It really it, it, it does. And so now what you have to do to kind of grab some of that momentum back, um, go get this kid from Purdue. You know, go add another running back. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, I think I think Tyler Shook has all of the tools from a physical standpoint, from a talent standpoint, but he also has also shown that he can't stay healthy. So are you confident in the signal caller position going forward given his injury um, history. I, I'm still a little shaky on that, man. Like, again, if he stays healthy, I think you have a quarterback that can make all the throws, that, that can that can push the deep ball down the field, um, and you're not going to be handcuffed um, like you were with Plummer. And, guys, I mean, those last two games, Plummer was just awful. And, and, some, and something, too, I, I had a lot of issues with um, some of Brahms' play calling last night. There was two instances where you would have drives – 
where there were three play calls that resulted in three and outs. Right. Uh, three pa- three pass play calls that resulted in three and outs. It's like, IG's eating. Just give him the ball. Don't overthink it. And let, let's, you know, keep the momentum on our side. Keep that clock moving. And, and let Garendo continue to feast. But then, you know, once, uh, you know, Plummer fumbled the ball, I think, you know, he got what, what his arm hit with a – with a you know a brief wind gust or something that caused the ball to fall out, and then after that though the team wasn't the same. He put the defense at a disadvantage on a short field after they just forced a three and out, and so and then the rest is history. But um, the quarterback has to be able to take care of the ball next year. He has to be able to make a variety of throws, and even those simple ones like we talked about how the fourth and six play didn't materialize because of a poorly thrown ball. Those have to be throws that our quarterback next season makes it makes in a sleep. Like that's it it's you know, you're you're throwing them open, you're hitting them inside every single time. Not most of the time, but every single time so we can keep those chains move, chains moving in those situations. We just didn't have that with Plumber this year and it was disappointing. Imagine when Brom gets an elite level quarterback. It's mm-hmm. game time. Oh absolutely. Absolutely. You want to go to the phone lines now? Let's do it. All right. Lawrence, you're up, man. Welcome in. What up, boss? What up, Taylor? What's up, Eastern? What's up, man? Um, I, heard you this mor- I heard you this morning, Eastern. I meant to call in, but I was so busy at work, I couldn't. But I just want to address something real quick. I treat every coach the same, no matter what sport, no matter what sport it is. So, like, if Brown had a bad season where he only had four wins, a whole lot of losses, wasn't doing so well in recruiting in the portal, you know I'd be getting on him. Like, remember what I said before Brown first hit first coaches hit the first game of the season? I told him, hey, I'm going to get on you just like I get on Kenny Payne, just like I get on Jeff Wall. If you heard me, I'm calling Jeff Wall, so – it been time where I got on him, and he, he took it. So you need – so everybody thinks we treat every coach totally different. It, it, we don't. We treat them all the same. If you do good, we're going to support you. If you do bad, we're going to say something about it. Don't yep. y'all agree? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. I think, Lawrence, you're referencing um, the gentleman that called in and was being critical of, of us, in, in his opinion, not feeling like – we keep the criticism level the same with, with pain and with and, and that just resulted in, you know, a discussion of, you know, you're comparing the programs. No, no, no. We're just using that rationale to back up why we're not being as critical of Brahm is because, you know, Brahm has won more games in four months than pain has won in a year plus. So when that's the case, um, you know, last I checked, Taylor, I don't think Payne is on any uh, National Coach of the Year finalist awards or <laughs> no. finished runner-up for ACC Coach of the Year. Yeah, so that's – yeah, and Lawrence, I'm with you, man, yeah. I think by and large as, as, a, as, as a fan base, you're going to praise when it's warranted and you're going to criticize when it's warranted. I mean, nothing more, nothing less. It's just that's what we do. And I just want to say this. I know everybody worried about first parking because everybody's on Twitter at – they saw what's going on. Like, Brown's going to have to re-recruit some of these guys on this team right now. And I believe in Brown and that coaching staff can get can recruit for Carson to come back next year. I believe so. And I, everybody else believes so, too. And 
Last night's game, I, I can't trust Ryan no more, guys. I'm sorry. After after last night, I cannot trust Ryan, Ryan English no more. He got my trust back once again. That was watching 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 that team throw the ball the way they did, scoring touchdowns. That remind me of that on Air Force game from a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that's devastating. Like, why can't we get corners and defensive backs that can like lock down? Like, now Quincy Riley, he's probably gonna leave go pro because he kind of earned kind of earned some um, big steps last night going pro. I believe yeah. he will go pro. I believe that was Quincy Riley's last game. If you go pro. I hope, we, I hope my 49ers pick because we need him so real bad right now. But I think some of the play calling was oh, was changed after after that gap fumble fumble. After that fumble, Jeff Brown decided, oh, I can't, I got to change the way I call this game now because several things happened that made Jeff Brown have to change play play calling. The first play, the wide receiver dropped the ball because they caught it. Um, got from the front of the ball. Yeah, Brown didn't trust him to go um, take a four or five step drop back to actually get the ball on point. And that injury, I don't know why he kept him in there. He had an injury, but hey, I guess he still trusts Plummer more. He, he trusts his other quarterback. Other than that, I hope the guys they found a way to get out of Sorrento come back for another year. Hmm. If not, if not, if we are, if we do end up in that run, um, that um, transfer from that what West Virginia. So I saw one uh, running back potentially from Toledo that's yep. supposed to be making a visit. Yeah, I hope we get that big boy from Purdue too, because they need a pass rush. They need oh, yeah. linebackers. They need they need defensive backs, and they're probably going. I wouldn't be surprised if they go after another quarterback in this portal too, because who knows if, like I said, your boy can stay healthy for the whole season. They're going to need yeah, a backup just in case. Well, I would and, hope that. And, and, and Lawrence, do, go ahead. I was just going to say if they do get another wide receiver. Make sure this wide receiver at least run four two speed. Because yeah, we, we need, need we need speed. Work. Oh, in the worst way. Oh, absolutely. We need speed there. We need speed in the secondary. Thanks as always, Laura Lawrence, man, for the call and for listening. We always appreciate it. Um, but but something that Lawrence brought up, Taylor, and what's your take on? Mm-hmm. If you're gonna go to the portal for another quarterback. I would just, I would prefer that, I mean, you know, best case scenario, Shuck stays healthy, Pierce Clarkson and Brady Allen battle it out for the backup spot. I mean, that's what you would want in in hopes of, you know, developing those guys um, to be potential starters down the road. Um, I do, I mean, all indications are that, you know, Shuck is their guy. They're not going to get somebody else. I know, you know, there was... We were mentioned with Cam Ward. We were mentioned with DJ Uyunglele. Those two gentlemen have not finalized their destinations yet either. 
Um, but, I mean, I just don't feel like Shuck would come here to be a potential backup. You know, I think he's coming here to start. Right. Um, and, you know, but, but again, what, 11 games in three years? That's – Yeah. It's, it's, it's concerning from the history perspective. Talent, no questions there. He's a guy that can make all the throws. What do you think about Garendo and the and the possibility of him coming back? Because he hasn't said anything to the effect of "I'm leaving," "I'm coming back," you know, nothing like that. I mean, I've heard some rumblings that he will not be back, but yeah, nothing official. Um, you know, this is in this day and age of NIL. You know, you 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 want him to stay, you sweeten the pot for him. Yeah. Um, you know, he can be, he can be that back. I mean, Maurice Turner can, can, you know, spill, uh, spill him at need be. Kiwan Brown is, is a back that I am really, mm-hmm. um, looking forward to see, you know, mature and, um, get some carries, maybe, maybe slide into that role that Turner was this year, um, getting some carries or potentially, um, you know, if, if Garendo or somebody, uh, like him or Chaney is that feature back, Maybe Kiwan Brown is what um, Garendo served for this team next year. I don't know, yeah. but I think there's certainly some talent there. Um, but like the quarterback position, man, you can't ever have too much depth in the running back uh, department because, you know, you're going to have injuries. And just like we saw this year, can you imagine if we didn't have Garendo yeah. this year? Oof. I mean, we would be hurting in that area now, Maurice Turner shows some glimpses, but um, when he got, you know, when when his name was called and when uh, Garendo's name was called, you know, IG was the one, you know, making plays early and often. So um, certainly need more depth. I'm with Lawrence. You need more speed in the wide receiver group, and you also need more speed in the secondary as well. And uh, I think the linebacking core. I I wish. I look. I would back up the Brinks truck for Isaac Garendo to come back for one more year because imagine him in an offense more like the offense Jeff Brom wants to run with the ability to still run the ball with him the way that they did this year but to have a more dynamic passing attack to spread the defense out a little bit more imagine the big runs that Garendo could have then when you have a defense playing back to stop the pass and then just hand it to him and he runs for 20, 30 yards, just rips off chunk play after chunk play. I think he would be dynamic in year two of a Jeff Brom offense. And I think that that's something that we, we, we've talked about it, but I don't think we've really spent enough time on how much this offense does not look like a prototypical Jeff Brom offense and how much they have some of the pieces, but not all all of the pieces for what they want to do to run the offense the way Jeff wants to run it. And I think that that's that's super important. And you saw that this season. You saw them hamstrung at times this season because they didn't have this piece or that piece, especially at the tight end group. Like You saw that group kind of come along this season and morph into something serviceable. But yeah. that's not how... That's not the type of tight end that Jeff Brown wants in his offense. And I think they've address that need in the transfer portal. I think they're going to be a lot better at that. And I think they've got another solid couple of wide receivers that are going to, you know, be able to make some plays next season. But I think 
we've had a conversation on maybe this show or other shows about you know what percentage of the offense do you think we really saw from Jeff Brom this season and I think you're probably somewhere around about like maybe 60 to 70 percent I was gonna say of the true offense and I think you're gonna see more of that next season um with what they've added in the portal and just another year under their belts uh, with these guys on the roster learning this offense. I think it's going to look a lot different. I give him credit for getting the most out of this roster. It feels yeah. like I think we kind of, I don't know sure. if we overrated the offense in midseason, but I think we can look back now and see, you know, outside of Jamari Thrash and Jor Jordan really weren't a ton of playmakers out there. And I think Jeff wanted to let it loose more than he did this year, but he didn't have that confidence in Plummer, deservedly so. And so I think that he did kind of hold back a little bit. I am excited to see what happens now when they have better tight ends. If mm-hmm. Isaac Garendo comes back and look, Jeff Brom adjusted his offense to what he had this year. That's what good coaches do. But I don't think that's going to be the offense that he wants to run in the future. I don't know if he's going to do what he did at Purdue, where he had Aiden O'Connell drop back and throw 50 times and they <laughs> ran at 10. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. But I think you're going to see a much different looking offense. I think it'll be a better looking offense next year because you got to think he's got a quarterback that he's going to let he's going to let it rip more than he did this year. Well, guys, so but but that begs the question, especially in a bowl game in, in this scenario. Um, I, I've only really wanted, um, and granted, I was wrong because I was like after that Georgia Tech at halftime, you're like, uh, <laughs> what is going on? Let's get let, you know, let's try somebody else. I was wrong. You know, shouts out to Brom for for rolling with Plummer for that one. But for Florida State, in this game when he struggled, I did not see a reason why you just didn't change it up for for, for the simple fact that it's not working with Plummer, no, no matter what. In that in that second half in the ACC championship, yeah. I mean, Plummer was done. Uh, he, was not, he wasn't doing anything. He looked like a true freshman deer in headlights um, and, and hurt the team. Same thing yesterday, especially with the dislocated pinky. Why not give somebody else a shot? Uh, you know, if you can't throw the ball down the field, I mean, you could have several other guys, whether it's a young guy in Pierce Clarkson or Brady Allen or Brock Doman. If all you're going to do is, you know, throw it out to the flat or these quick outs, you could have other quarterbacks do that. And then potentially with like, with like a Doman or a Clarkson, you have somebody that had that dual threat capability to maybe spark your offense and make some plays for you. In those two situations, now I would throw Pierce Clarkson in against Florida State, but like that's the one thing too where if you're that hamstrung with the play calling and your six-year senior is simply not making the plays, mm-hmm. I mean, what's what would it hurt for you to switch things up a little bit? Yeah. So. It's a moot point now, but still, I just, especially last night in the Florida State game in the second half, why not give somebody else a look? I was a little surprised, um, and maybe I shouldn't have been, that Brom didn't didn't look at that end. You had Evan Carley in there for that for that package that we scored on the wild card. Um, but, you know, again, I would have liked to see maybe that wrinkle a few more times because, once again, Plummer was ineffective. What a what a bucket, by the way, Evan Conley, just the Dude. the football equivalent of a bucket. He is man. All he does is score touchdowns every man. time and he I gets love the ball. Seeing, yeah, a fifth year senior paying his dues in there. He wants to be a coach when he when he's done with college football. But he scored, you know what what three touchdowns this year. Yeah, he's always ready. He's that he's that coach 
that player coach type of guy. Love to see him uh, get his due rewards. The wild con. That's your mm. that's your package there. Yo, run a little wild con. No, I, I, like I love that. it. I love it, and I think I was kind of disappointed. And and again, maybe it's the not having all the pieces that you want, but I feel like we didn't get as nearly as many trick plays out of Jeff Brom this season that a lot of people expected. Oh, yeah. We didn't. And I'm hoping for more of that next year. Yeah, I'm ready for, you know, again, Tyler Shuck. Hopefully he's healthy, but I'm ready for, like, down the field. I want to see what we saw against Boston College, like, every game. I want to see us do to other people what USC did to us last night. Right? Where there was – there. here's the thing. USC had zero run game, and they were like, bet. You know, we, yeah. we're matter. literally going to drop back and we're just going to throw the ball. And if you stop it, great. If you don't, this is really all we can do anyway. So we're just going to keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I do want, you know, we're talking about how the season ended. Um, and a lot of us were, were envisioning an Orange Bowl, um, you know, or potentially going to Orlando for the Pop-Tarts Bowl. I will tell you. Um, the weather in and around Orlando this week was like cloudy, high 50s, low 60s. And NC so State is getting any, rocked right now. Yeah, 21 to 10. Um, again, Louisville's uh, you know, partly to blame, too. The ACC, another lackluster showing in bowl season. Oof. And it's hard to judge with all the opt Miami? Bruh. Yeah. Miami? Dude. 24-31 yeah, to Rutgers? Oh, that was the easiest bet of bowl season. Uh, I, I put it all on Rutgers. Bruh. I knew Miami. You're, you're telling me Miami wants to go up to New York and yeah. play a football game? Like oh, they had right. They had heaters on the sideline. It was like 40 degrees. Like It's not even <laughs> that cold, guys. I know you're in Florida, but geez. How about Boston College yeah. defending Boston with a little yeah, uh, yeah, how about that? Little, little win in the Fenway Bowl? SMU 0-1 in conference play. Boy, that started uh, – yeah. <laughs> SMU was trying to clown Florida State, and then SMU goes out and uh, loses up in the Fenway Bowl. It started at 11 a.m. started during our show this Dude, morning. Dude, I forgot it was even on. Yeah. Like, I'm at work, and I'm, like, scrolling through uh, X, and I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's a there's a freaking game on. We had an interesting uh, query about this, uh, about the game. You know, a query? So, yes. So it was, you know, 40 degrees, <laughs> rainy, all the that. Conundrum. Conundrum. Hmm. So it was, like, 40 degrees, rainy, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I said... That is the worst weather to watch football in. That's worse than snow, as far as I'm concerned. Just that miserable would, yeah. rain coming down, yeah. cold rain. That's that's we, the worst to so watch football in. Louisville played Cincinnati. This was the year, Ethan, you'll remember this. This was the year that Louisville lined up to kick the field goal, and Butch Jones called a timeout. The field goal was no good. He called a timeout anyway. Uh and then Louisville lines up to kick it again and makes it. And I think we won that game. I think it was in overtime. We won that game in overtime. Was that 12? That may have been 2012. Was that, was that 30, 34, 31? It was in the, in the rain. It was like in a mist. It was a misty, cold, rain, sleet, Ew. just yeah. disgusting, freezing cold night. That's the worst. The, yeah, I mean, it was. We had. I remember I had Kroger bags wrapped around my feet shoved in my boots and then my boot had a hole in it and water got into it and got in the bag and my feet were freezing but the Ugh. game was already in overtime and I'm like we're not leaving we're watching this whole thing 
yeah, it, that was this miserable. I would much rather watch a game just in straight snow than a cold, disgusting, misty, nasty night. Especially if you add wind on top of it. But that's also just called a typical Thursday in Boston. That's so right. That's not... They're uh, used to it up yeah, there. That, that's, that's a good weather day for them, actually. <laughs> Absolutely. So we have two Twitter X questions, show questions. Show question number one is, what is your grade for Louisville football this season? We have um, nearly 700 responses already. Jeez. Uh, um, what, do you, what, Gentlemen, what do you think? Now, there's four options. A, A minus, B plus, B. What grade do you think is leading the way right now? I'm going to say B plus, and I haven't looked, so I'm just I'm just going to say B plus. I think it's B plus Zach, as well. Well, look at that. You all need to play the lottery. Hey, hey ding, ding, ding. how you doing? There we go. That was my bad. um yes, forty three percent B plus. Uh, B is thirty one percent. A minus twenty one, and A is five percent. Show question number two, number and I'm not dos. asking. I'm not asking this um, in jest or as a troll, mm-hmm. but in terms of basketball, we can talk about hoops in the second hour. Um, will we the team to? up the road? I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm only a little yes, bit. Yes, we're going to have to. Um, Small, will the bold team move. Up- bold move <laughs> waiting until all the shows are off the air. Right, right. Friday news dump at its very finest. There you go. Will the team up the road have more ACC wins than the Cards will this season? Now, um, just just to refresh memories, they have <laughs> like defeated. Like you had to do for me. <laughs> yes, that's okay. That's okay. I wasn't going to say that. You told on yourself. That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> they have defeated. They have defeated Miami, North Carolina, and of course, us last week. So they have three wins against the ACC competition. The Cards will have 19 games left, of course, already 0-1-1 with a loss at Virginia Tech. So there's three options here. Will the Cards have more than three wins, less than three wins, or will it be a push? 45% say more than three, 36% say less than three, 19% say push. We just threw that out there. That has a little over 100 votes as of now. Hit us up at Elville Sports without a no live on Twitter X. And um, we'll see where those polls end by the time we go off of the air tonight. But um, if I'm Vegas, I'm setting Louisville basketball's ACC win total at three and a half. What would you gentlemen take? Uh, The under. I'm going under. I don't know if they win three more games the entire season. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, I mean, it, it's probably not going to happen in January. I, no. I just think they'll, oh, no, not they'll look in. God, yeah. that January uh, yeah, schedule. Oof. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not, I will never project a Louisville road victory. So Louisville basically has nine chances with, uh, excuse me, ten chances with ten uh, ACC home games left on the slate. I mean, I'm assuming they're going to beat Notre Dame. Maybe, you know, they'll beat a Boston College or something. I think they're going to, kind of like last year against Western Kentucky, there's going to be a game or two where they're actually hitting shots. So you're telling me you like Louisville against Duke (laughs) in in January? Absolutely not. You like like the cards against Carolina? (laughs) Virginia for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go with um, Louisville's gonna sweep Virginia this year. Ah, Just there you kidding. go. It's Mark a long. Yeah. This is all a long con. They're gonna dominate the ACC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so their January schedule: UVA, Pitt, 
Miami, NC State, North Carolina, Wake, Duke. Oh, they just run through the Carolinas there in, Jan in uh, January. Uh, UVA, and then they end it at Clemson. Wolf. So, yeah, there's a lot of road games too, right? I mean, I think UNC is on the road. Wake is on the road. Uh, Miami's on the road. UVA's on the road. Uh, and Clemson's on the road. But at least, look, I let's glass half full this year, guys. This basketball season the rest of the way is going to be absolutely miserable. But at least we get UVA out of the way in January. That's true. You're done yes. with both of them in January. Boom. It's over with. You don't have to worry about it anymore. We don't have that dreaded last game of the season death march to play UVA like we've done the last several seasons. So they play two games against Virginia in January. So yes. do they score 100 combined points? <laughs> uh, I think so. I think so. You get, all I'm asking is um, to score 50 in both games. Oof. I... Yeah, I guess, maybe. Let's see. Let's see the line. Let's see. Yeah, let's see the lines and stuff. Uh, but I will tell you this, man. Um, whatever the spread is, I'm taking Virginia in that because UVA has played. Will play two games in this time span mm -hmm. where Louisville has not played any. Um, they beat Morgan State last night by 50, whatever. Yeah. And they play another game. I think they play another conference game here upcoming. So they're going to have two games already. Louisville's going to be off for like two weeks, and then they go on the road. I mean, that is a recipe for a blowout loss. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of recipes for blowout losses. Um, so you're telling me Louisville's going to be a little there. rusty? Yes. Unlike the yes. well-oiled machine that they were before the break. <laughs> Imagine if they took this this two weeks and they just got all these superpowers and they become the greatest college basketball team of all time. Like, they, they needed more than just the powers from Space Jam. Dude, I hope these guys took these two weeks and just relaxed and enjoyed themselves because they're getting ready to embark on an absolute bleep sandwich for the next three months. Oh, yeah. Of just Man, not funness. You, I hope they got to enjoy their family time. Yeah, I mean, I, I do, honestly. but um, and, and, and still, we can kind of, you know, talk talk about basketball now taylor your thoughts on i'm sure you're not shocked at all what happened on thursday um just kind of your thoughts on that atmosphere in the yum center and the infiltration of the blue what was your takeaway from from that and the game itself well um i didn't watch it full disclosure did did not did not even watch it check the score twice and that was it so I know it's it's bad for the show. It's it's, it's not. I can't give you a hot take because uh, I did not watch a single second of it because I, I did actually just, watch the game. I did not care that much. Like there was nothing, nothing about that that was fun for me. Um, what did you do instead? I don't know. I think we watched like holiday baking challenge or something. Like I, honestly, <laughs> there you go. I I don't I don't know. That I, is. I think we, we watched. That's a good show. Yeah, by the we way. watched like Holiday Baking Challenge. I think I wrapped presents or something. Like I was, I would do anything other than didn't watch that. Did you watch the Holiday Baking Challenge? Like, I man, I could do that. I could make oh, that. Oh, I say that all the time. We say that all the time. I'm like, I could have done that way better than that. And my wife's like, Yeah, because you're a professional. <laughs> I wouldn't have put that much I'm in like, there. I wouldn't Come have on. done. That's a little much. Yeah, I actually did Cake's watch. A little the game. Am I the only one that watched the game? Yeah, <laughs> I, I literally. So I, you'll like this. I Ethan. got to the station with a minute fifty to yeah. go. I did check the score periodically. Yeah, um, uh, I did relax in a sauna for the vast majority nice. of, of the contest. Treat but, yourself, but, but, <laughs> Treat but yourself. gentlemen, like, but this is 
this was the point that I made, and I, and I addressed it on the post game because I, I get it. I was getting questions like, "Why are you doing the post game if you're not even watching?" And that's a legitimate question. It wouldn't have been any better if I would have done the post game because I wasn't watching it either. But see, but that's the thing though. It's like there was absolutely nothing that happened that you couldn't have forecasted, anyways. Right. It, you yeah. knew they were going to get blown out. You knew that they were going to have more fans than we were, and it was going to you were going to hear all their chants in, in the young center. Play. And it's like I'm not putting myself through that. I'm not putting myself through that through no. that anxiety, that angst, that anger, that frustration. I'm just not doing it. And once again, and this is not just a KP issue. Like Louisville doesn't get the job done against the team up the road, whether it's at home or at Rupp, whatever. It doesn't matter. They just don't ever win, anyways. And especially um, with this outfit um, coaching them now, that you knew they weren't going to win. Uh, then, of course, as as KP does, he makes it ten times worse in the postgame presser talking about how <laughs> he doesn't view this as a top program and that he has to secretly recruit, recruit people. Like because them? <laughs> you kidding me? We'll top, never have that kind of talent. Top top programs top programs are after him. How do I get a kid to come here after they've only won four games? And they're like, Coach, I don't want to win four games. Well, who was the coach of the team <laughs> at that time? When they won four games. He won those games. I'm like, oh, all right. So, so Zach, your takeaways from yeah. the game itself. Um, obviously, you're already on the record if you're going, if you're going under three. Yeah, that's um, right. I, I think, man, I do think. Best case scenario, they win five more games. I'm not saying they will. I think that's a best case. I think there's going to be a couple of times where they get hot and they and they just they win. And again, it's not going to be against a team that's any good, but still, maybe a Georgia Tech at home who's improved, maybe you know a Boston College at home that's improved, maybe it's against Syracuse that's improved. Whatever. If Louisville wins, your takeaways. Yeah, I just, I mean, when I watched that game, not there was nothing that was surprising. I mean, it was a layup line for UK. They they were shooting threes. They let Antonio Reeves have a career in one game, which <laughs> not which was not surprising in the slightest. I mean, there were a few moments, I guess, what, the first five minutes or whatever when Louisville should have said stop the count because they led five to nothing. And, you know, they were <laughs> they were playing okay for a little bit, but it, everybody knew, like, okay, this isn't going to last. And you just saw they just don't have the depth. Like, yeah. UK's got t- nine, ten guys that can play. Swear jar. Well, I didn't, nah. I didn't, uh, he hey, didn't say. The initials, not the team yeah, name. He, he didn't there say we go. the full name. Yeah, team up the road, but their, their depth was just superior. It, you could tell that. Uh, oh, yeah. Louisville yeah. just – they didn't get back defensively. That game could have been a thirty-point blowout if Cal wasn't, you know, KP's friend and KP's laughing after the game again. And I don't know if you heard this, but Phil said uh, on the air the other day, he's like, "So I got married and uh, had kids, and you know, I didn't smile as much on those days as Kenny Payne smiles after he loses games <laughs> after he after he lost to Cal on Thursday." <laughs> Uh, what so a great line! Yeah. yeah, like come on, Kenny. Like you can't be smiling like that. Like are we just gonna put a laugh track in after games at this point or at every press conference? I I just it's insulting all of our intelligence to laugh at the question. When are we gonna have that kind of talent? You're Louisville. Yeah. You're not Eastern Kentucky. You're Louisville. You are one of the six or seven greatest programs of all time. That's the talent level you should be striving to have. And Kenny acting like it will never happen. That alone is a fireable offense saying stuff yeah. like that and talking about just dismissing the game like i need people to understand 
what it's like to play for Louisville and what this game means. Like, do you? Do you understand what this is like? No. He has no clue. Yeah. Yeah. He obviously doesn't. And that's that's been the most disappointing thing. But and that's why the post game shows, guys, I mean, they take on a life of their own because you think you know what you want to say about the game, but more often than not, it's about what he says in the post game presser. That, that gets the most run because it, it's so just off base and odd and tone deaf and whatever you want to say. You're just like, you know, I was mad about the play, but then after I heard him say what he said, I'm more mad about that than the actual yes. game. And it's just like, and it's going to be, man, I, I, I'm not looking forward to the three months. It's, it's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be toxic. It's going to be, you know, nobody's going to be happy. What do you mean all and the best programs are going after these players? You're supposed to be one of those best programs. Exactly. Imagine being scared in recruiting. Like, how are, you, how are you going to get elite talent if you are not willing to go after the best players who are being chased by the best programs? And if you what, can't recruit with Calipari, why are you here? And what kind of a message are you sending to recruits? Yes. <laughs> I mean, that is a defeatist mentality oh uh, we've given up we we won four games last year we can't possibly recruit at the, the just iowa state won two won games five we're, yeah. we're making improvements we're iowa state won, won two five. games two yeah. years ago and went to the sweet 16 the very next year yeah. what are we doing no oh, i know yeah you and, and that's the thing it's it's just it's it's just mind-boggling it's mind-boggling just the stuff that he says and, and like and he doesn't view louisville as a top program because of what he says. Like, he's telling you that he doesn't believe that Louisville is the top program based on trying to, like, be like a silent recruiter and sneak around and, and try to find. What are you? Are you finding, like, diamonds in the rough? You don't need to do that. <laughs> who cares who's re- right. no, Who cares who's recruiting against it them? It shouldn't like, you, matter. You go out there, make your pitch. You got NIL behind you. Make it happen. That That's, after all, why you were hired. You should not be getting your butt kicked on the recruiting trail by Jeff Brom. Football, like the Louisville basketball program historically is a better program than the football program. Does Jeff Brom, if, you know, Ohio State and Georgia and Alabama are going after these portal guys, does Jeff Brom back up? No, he doesn't. No. Jeff Brom's going to go get these guys. And, you know, they've beaten out some top programs for elite talent. You have to be able to put yourself out there and recruit. The kid from Purdue that, sure. that Jeff Brom is going after now, he has offers. He's going to go visit Georgia. He's yeah. going to go visit Florida State. Is Jeff Brom going to stop recruiting him? Right. Nope. Nope. Yeah, I mean, and guys, we've said it numerous times. He just doesn't get it. I mean, no. it's obvious on the court, um, in the pressers, with practice, whatever. I mean, and I, and I hate the fact that it's constantly when you're talking about basketball, you're talking about the job status of the coach and not the play on the court, not the recruiting, because right. there's no, there's nothing to discuss in terms of recruiting because they're not recruiting anybody. And you know, generally, you would leak out some names. Um, to, to, you know, to, to kind of gauge the interest, who are they targeting, but nobody knows anything, and you don't have anybody signed for the 24 class in high school. You've already said, um, now you flip-flopped on the portal discussion. Well, now you need, the, now you need to um, recruit the portal after you said it was a necessary evil in July. You know, just the flip-flopping of all, this, uh, of, all of his um, recruiting philosophies just shows you that he doesn't have a plan. No. And I mean, it's it's evident not only on the court but off the court that there is no plan, there is no structure, and you know a lot of people were up in arms about 
Josh's announcement on Friday, uh, myself included, I was a little taken aback. Um, but I think there's a lot of things about that announcement that if you just look at it at the, you know, 30,000 foot view, all you see is, well, Kenny Payne's staying. But when you really pay attention to what Josh said, and more importantly, what Josh didn't say, it's not that Kenny Payne's going to be the head coach next season. It's that Kenny Payne's going to be the head coach of this team in January and likely in February and March. There is no guarantee of anything after that. Yeah, that, I'm glad to tell you brought that up. So it's time for our, our mid-show break. So let's take that and let's come back. I want to get your complete thoughts on Hurd's decision. I think I'm kind of with you now in the same boat after initially disagree. I mean, I disagree with it. Um, but, you know, Josh Hurd is the boss. So, um, but I do like what he said in his um, extensive interview with um, Eric Crawford. Uh, I think I think that was uh, if you listen to the the complete audio of it, you're going to get a better picture of where he is right now at this juncture, and it makes you feel a lot better than just um, you know him saying that he's going to be the coach for the foreseeable future. He did not say that in those words, um, but let's let's get into that a little bit more. We also did a Twitter poll on that last week. We'll give you the findings of that. Um, when we come back and, you know, uh, a couple more of uh, portal targets, we can discuss that, um, your expectations for the off season for Louisville football. And then how, what, what's your, what's your mindset as we close out this basketball season, um, these next three months as the calendar turns to 2024, we'll do all that and more. When we come back, you're listening to Louisville sports live, the city's longest running all UFL sports talk show right here on 93.9 the Ville. Welcome back into our number two of Louisville Sports Live, the city's longest-running all UFL sports talk show right here on 93.9 The Ville. I'm Ethan. He's Taylor. Zach Cantrell behind the glass. Uh, we're talking all things UFL football, basketball, and recruiting. Uh, before we get back into uh, the discussion that we had about Josh Hurd's decision um, to retain Payne for um, at least the short term, uh, we have a, a business partner on board, and if you have a small or medium-sized business and you're in the need of a bookkeeping service, we have the company for you. Do you want more time to focus on running your company? Well, don't pay CPA rates and hire a professional bookkeeping service that will not only take time away um, from you worrying about managing our financials, but will also meet with you every month um, to to have to give you monthly education and in-depth reviews on your business's financial health. Heck yeah. Spend more time. Yes, right. Spend more time looking for ways to maximize your business and then also be fully prepared come tax time with no need to talk to your tax accountant. Call our friends at the Edge Capital at 419-777-4647. That is 419-777-4647. And also hit them up online at theedgecapital.com, theedgecapital.com. 
Taylor, for for example, um, uh, the, this this company has a client that that delivers uh, cars, like to and from lots, okay. um, to and from uh, de- dealerships, uh, rental car companies, etc. Yep. And it, this company took him on as a client, and he was like, "Listen, I know, like, I'm your man. If if you need me to pick up vehicles and get them to another destination on time, I got you. But you know what? I don't." have the time and I don't um, I, I don't know the ins and outs of you know weekly monthly financials um, tax information pay you know pay stubs all that other stuff um, the comings and goings of your income uh, account balance all that other stuff edge capital will take care of that for you so the edge capital.com there you before go. we went to break before we went to break Taylor you were talking about um, Josh Hurd's decision to retain Payne, at least for the short term. I, like you, disagree with that. We threw a, another poll out there on Twitter X, over 1,500 um, voters, and overwhelmingly 61% said that they were, uh, they disagreed with the decision, 20% yep. said they did, and then a, roughly another 19% said make the decision at the end of the season. Um, so I know you kind of, we both kind of fall in there. Um, into that 61%. However, once he spoke with Eric Crawford, a lot of what he said made a lot more sense, at least at least to me, and gave me kind of a better picture of what he kind of um, is really sensing going forward. And, you know, if that's given him a few more weeks, um, then, you know, whatever. Uh, again, I don't think it's going to be a super positive experience going forward because the fan base has checked out uh the team has failed in the the easiest portion of their schedule um so you know what were your main takeaways from from josh talking to eric crawford do you feel a little bit better now as opposed to when you first heard the news yeah i i i definitely think so i think you you feel a little bit better about you know, Josh's understanding of where the program is, where it looks like the program is headed, and the the fact that it's unacceptable, for lack of a better word. I, I think you kind of get that feeling that he understands that, and he understands kind of the fan frustration behind where this program is. Um, and yeah, do I agree with the decision? Not particularly. Did I want to see Kenny gone? hundred percent. But if this is more about financials and needing some more time to, you know, raise the money or or whatever, I'm not saying that's what it's about or, or not. But if that is, then it makes sense. And I think that, you know, I said this in. I think it was it, it may have been the group chat between you myself Zach and Spence that as long as he's gone at the end of the year I don't particularly care if he's fired now or fired in March as long as the Do you end, think do you think it would be a firing uh, as opposed to a negotiated settlement I mean I mean I guess it doesn't really matter but Chris Mack I mean, negotiated a settlement he still quit I mean, yeah. if if yeah. Kenny gets a negotiated settlement, he still got fired. Like it, it is True. what it is. I mean, let's yeah. let's call it what it is. 
as long as he we'll, we'll, we'll do this negotiated settlement fired whatever as long as he okay. is not the head coach moving forward after this season that's all i care about all right all right so um i'm gonna give you um something that stood out to me in his interview and then i'm gonna ask you what you think about um you know potential replacements as uh, NC State has Look at just that. Uh, pulled off Rumbling, a very stumbling, impressive bumbling. fake punt. Nice. Man. Right back in it. Um, yeah, they are. Um, he said, so Eric Crawford said, is there anything outside of winning that he can do to cool the temperature right now of the fan frustration and just the negativity around the program? And, you know, again, I listened to the audio uh, interview and there was a long pause and then Josh answered quite frankly no <laughs> outside I mean winning is what would cool the temperature down mm-hmm. so I think for me is it very reasonable his responses are very reasonable very professional um and again after I listened to that to, to the full interview it's like okay I still would rather us move on because we've seen enough. However, based on what he said, you know, based on what he said, I'm more understanding of where things are, if that makes sense. I think it it feels like when you look at it at the surface, you're like, oh, God, really? <laughs> we're like, really? This is what we're doing? But I think when you listen to it, when you read it, it's an inevitability at this point that he is gone. It's just a yeah. matter of when. At least that's that's how I perceive yeah. it now. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's accurate. I mean, and then too, um, you know, you had the rumblings of you know players leaving. If that was going to be the case, um, I, I I can I can tell you that I don't think there was any situation where um, there were there were going to be interim options let's just put it that way so you think so um yeah because i yes there were okay now, and i'm not saying not on this current staff other right. possibilities um that would that would have been ready to go um to to take it over and then you know maybe would that increase the fan attendance maybe a little um but yeah and i think too i mean so do you think though now Taylor, that let's let's just say they they go two and seven or one and eight in January, row and nine, whatever. Does this get revisited in a few weeks, or are we just riding this bad boy out to the end of the season? I think we're riding it out. That's the that's the vibe I get. I think we're riding it out. If it's not bad enough now to make a move, then when you win one game or most likely when you go over in January, I what's it really matter at that point? Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, um, I don't know what the contract structure looks like. Do we save any money if we let him coach the entire year? I don't know how the buyout is structured. Well, I'm glad that you brought that up because, um, uh, this young man just texted me. He said the buyout doesn't drop two million until March thirty first. So, so, but that's that's where this negotiated settlement comes in. So, yeah. 
You know, if if you didn't fire him now and you let him coach out and you're what what 32 games and you're let's just say you're you're 10 and 22. That's generous. And then yes, you're you're 9 and 23. <laughs> Um, I mean, you know what? I'm going to say, hey, you know what? We're going to we're going to get ten wins this season. Daggone it! We're Bless gonna, you. We're, Hang the banner. We're Bless gonna, you. We're going to have five conference wins. Um, how pathetic is that? Is that just you know what I mean? Just this whole discussion. But let, let's just say that's the case. You're nine and twenty-three, ten and twenty-two, whatever. And then you would hope. Okay, we gave you two full seasons. We are going to move on. In the best interest of the program, let's let's negotiate what the number is going to look like because you know, and, and this would go back there. If he truly loves the program, whether he agrees or disagrees with the decision to part ways, then he would be agreeable to some sort of settlement that would allow U of L to hire a coach before that Final Four weekend, if. You know the candidate is not in the final four, so I would. I, you know what? And to be honest with you, I would prefer that we don't hire a coach until, you know, around or after the second weekend of the tournament, because I would want our coach to, to be, be in the second you know, weekend of the tournament. Exactly. Yes. So it's like you know we would all want you know a new coach in place. Well, before that, I get it, but I mean, let's if we have to wait a couple more weeks because the next head coach. It's on a nice little tournament run. I think that we could all, you know, if we've waited through two years, two seasons of the KP era, we can wait two more weeks. Yeah, maybe you know the, what I mean? I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe the new head coach is out there dusting people, if you know what I mean, in the oh, in the tournament. All right. So that well, that's 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 a great segue. <laughs> that is a great segue. So who would be like? All right, you're Josh Hurd. You're the AD. Um, you get to make the call. Who who are you? Who are you hiring? Well, right off the bat, I'm calling my old buddy, the the guy I used to work for, the old boss. J-Dub. I'm picking up the phone. I'm calling J-Dub. I'm like, Jay, bring, <laughs> you, bring your three-piece suits. Come on home. I got a Brinks truck with your name on it. Make him an offer he can't refuse. Absolutely. You, yeah, buddy. You bring that, you know, your best-dressed coach in college basketball. You get back, get back on the sidelines and, and handle business. And... There will definitely, I mean, if that were to happen, first of all, build the statue for for Josh if he's able to to pull that one off because oh, that would yeah. be that, that would be a Patino esque type of that fire. would be fantastic. No and, question. And if and if he is able to, if he was interested, if he took the job, there's a lot of things there because my biggest complaint about Kenny Payne is that when he was hired, that he was out of college basketball for a long time, and the landscape of college basketball changed. I think a lot can be said. You can say some of the same things about Jay Wright. He's been out of the game for a couple of years. The landscape of college basketball with NIL and all that is different now. And he would have to bring some guys on his staff that have the experience, that have been in college basketball, that know how to operate with NIL, that know how to recruit on this landscape. So, I mean, that would be fantastic. I think Dusty May is a fantastic option. Uh, currently the the head coach at FAU. I think he's a great option. Um, I think there are some really good... I've cooled a little bit on the must bus, um, especially with the way they're looking this season. Um, not Cronin. Not, UCLA no. is... 
they have as many wins as Louisville does. This yeah, year. yeah, I, I know. I was, I was kind of big on, uh, well, not big on him, but I was, I would listen to an argument for Cronin, but now I, I just, uh, I don't know. I feel like there's probably some better options out there for Louisville. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I th- I think- I'm more on board for, I'm still on board for Cronin. Now again, I, I, there was, he would not be my number one option. Yeah. Um. But I think, guys, honestly, through this experience with Coach Payne, like you see, you've seen coaches that that live and breathe and sleep basketball. Cronin's one of them. Yeah. But man, like we, you know, if if you got rid of Payne and you brought in Cronin, I mean, you're talking about a massive upgrade. Yeah. And again, I get it. I mean, this year, yeah, they have not been good. Prior to that, though, a final. Teens, and I know there's some NIL um, disagreements potentially that would that would drastically lower his buyout at UCLA. So again, something to keep in mind. Um, any other any other names out there before we get to Cody? We haven't mentioned Jerome Tang yet, have we? We haven't mentioned Jerome Tang. Uh, he's on my list. Um, he's not as high on my list as I would have had yeah. a couple. My guy would be Dusty May. If, yeah. if the Jay Wright thing, I, that's kind of the pie in the sky fantasy. Oh, absolutely. But Dusty May has Midwest ties because he was at Indiana. Mm-hmm. He, uh, you know, took FAU to the Final Four last year, and they could do it again this year because they brought back everybody and they just beat Arizona. That's a, he's a really good coach. Yeah. Now try getting him to leave Boca Raton is going to be difficult because <laughs> I mean, if you've seen pictures of Boca Raton, you've yes. seen the FAU campus. I don't know why they're not a dynasty already. But yeah, I, Jerome well, Tang's got to be up there. Doesn't the IU connection, though, worry you guys? I feel like if the Indiana job opens up, you know, after Woodson, you know, that he's going there. Once you have the Louisville job, I don't think he's taking the Indiana job. Like, if you have a high-profile gig and he makes Louisville what Louisville can be, I don't think he's going to Indiana. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. 8150-939 is the number. The UPS jobs text line is 3831-939. Cody is up next on LSL. Hey, what's up, guys? Long time no talk. Dude, Cody. How you doing, man? A voice from the past, indeed. Rock and roll McDonald's for life. Yes. <laughs> you already know. Yeah, now, here's the thing. Like, when you guys are on, like, I, so I work, like, first shift, so I normally nap when y'all are on the air but then i catch you guys like the next morning on the podcast i just don't i just don't physically have the time to call in but uh we're off all week so here i am perfect well and we're glad to have you yes sir yes sir yeah um so hey ethan you know how i'm feeling man lusty dusty we got to bring him in (laughs) (laughs) hashtag Hashtag Lusty Dusty. Now he's dude, he's a stud, man. I was like, I just I, I like his whole vibe as a coach. He seems just he just seems like the next star in the making. Um, yeah, uh, Jay Wright. That's that's definitely the pie in the sky option. If Josh Hurd could pull that off, my God, that that would literally be like my Patino moment of him coming to Louisville. It'd be that equivalent. Plus. I don't really worry about Jay Wright being out of touch with college because he is covering college basketball. So. Mm-hmm. I think he would. I think if he were to take the job, he'd fully know what he's getting into. Uh, what do you guys think about Scott Drew? I, I, I'm down. Scott Drew was on I mean, my list the first time around. I would take it. I just don't think Scott Drew would take and the Louisville job. Ethan he's got Moore a great did not like there. it the first time when I mentioned it. He was not. He was not a fan two years ago. 
I have now yeah. again with the with the KP experience. I, I, I'm on board. I would, yeah, I would be more than happy with Scott Drew. I just remember the last go around. Um, I heard like his agent reached out, or we reached out to his agent. I know that Baylor doesn't pay him a whole lot, and he's not too happy with their NIL stuff from just kind of what I've been hearing. So I think I his know, agent can... reached out the last time around. Okay. Yeah, I, mean, I think yeah, Scott good. Drew. It would be a possibility here. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a, that, that's just something to keep an eye on. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna be uh, like the the rest of the year. I'm just gonna be watching it for the for the kids and just making making sure to see who who I want back for next year. I mean, I, honestly, the entire freshman class can come back. I like I like the majority of the team. That, that's why I'm, it's just so infuriating because I actually I I really did believe in this coaching staff when they got the job and just like. Yeah, it's, it's it's super disappointing, but I'm I'm not mad at the players, man. I really want like the bulk of these guys to uh, to come back. But uh, r- real quick, can I touch on something with football? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, last night. I mean, it, it is what it is. Um, next year, we're gonna have a whole new team. The, the, the biggest disappointment, though, I, I was really hoping to see like the the clear next like big receiver we were gonna have next year. I was hoping that, like Bell or, or Coleman was gonna pop off. Uh, and it just didn't happen, man. That was that was the biggest shame. I mean, uh, uh, Amari Huggins, Bruce, you cannot drop that that pass, man. That no. set the tone for the whole game, in my opinion. So, yeah, just uh, yeah, uh, really good first year. I'm, I'm overall happy, and I'm, I know the Brom got this. So let's just retool and um, and get back to it for next year. But good talking to you guys, man. I'll try to uh, call in a little bit more going forward. Let's do it, Cody. Man, always appreciate it, buddy. Uh, enjoy sure. enjoy that week off. Yeah, man, um, I, I'm certainly more receptive to Scott Drew uh, this time around. I'm more receptive to Mick Cronin this time around. Um, I just, I'm just, i just yearning, guys, for just quality basketball. I watched um, the majority of Arizona FAU last week. What a game I that was. I miss that. I mean, punch, counterpunch, punch, counterpunch. Going back and forth, this, this was like an Elite Eight, Final Four type of preview. Yeah. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, we haven't had that type of a play in quite some time, and we need it back, man. We, we should need it say, back. We should say this about Scott Drew, too. This would be not even close to the worst situation he's ever inherited because that is Baylor, true. that is the greatest turnaround in the history of college sports with the, what that program was going through when he got there, way worse Absolutely. than anything that's going on with Kenny Payne. So he can turn this around quickly. He has the history, and, of course, he's won before. Baylor It's a program that they're always there. They're always in the top ten. They're always getting a high seed in the NCAA tournament. I don't know why he wouldn't be on the uh, the Scott Drew train by now. I think he's got to be one of the first three or four names you call. I think it's Jay Wright, Dusty May, Scott Drew, and then pick your guy after that. You get, But those first three, you got to call them. So let yeah. me give you a name. And there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons why I say no, but there's plenty of other reasons to say yes. What about Sean Miller? Exactly. I I, I'm, I mean I I wouldn't you know. There's plenty of reasons. I mean. Things didn't go so hot with the previous Xavier coach we hired. Boy, if you could just talk about basketball only, uh, yeah, Sean Miller would be a great I mean, candidate. I mean, would he even be interested in the job because Chris Mack was his boy? They were he was an assistant under him, and you know, does he just Chris call him and go, dude, don't take that job, don't take that job, don't take that job? Um, 
and of course, you know, who his cousin is. So there's there's yeah. reasoning there for that to not work. But hey, the dude can coach. Not in the tournament, but and he can recruit. I don't know. Yeah. But it, I, I think, though, any of those names that you mentioned are legitimate candidate, candidates, gettable candidates. I mean, again, I, I, Shaka Smart for me would be up there very high. Again, with him coming back to his home state, I don't now don't know how realistic it, it could be. I think the window for Louisville getting Shaka Smart because I believe he was certainly gettable two years ago. He was gettable when Louisville um, went with Chris Mack. Yeah. Um, which, again, on paper was uh, the home run high. Did you know his wife was from that. Louisville? No, I didn't, actually. Yeah. I appreciate you telling Little me. Little known fact. Yes. It's a shame um, it didn't work out. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think any of those names that we're discussing w- would be such a massive upgrade that it's like you can get excited again. And, and if you get – I mean, if you get a Jerome Tang, if you get a Shaka Smart, if you get um, a Scott Drew – Season tickets will increase. Ticket packages will increase. Donations mm-hmm. will increase. Excitement will be there. Yep. And that is what this program desperately needs. Um, you know, because when you're nine and thirty-five, you're two and twenty in ACC play. It's just not like the, the you know we talk about missing windows. The window is also passed for. Um, KP to prove that he can write the ship. I mean, yeah. when you're five and seven against the 303 uh, at last check via Kim Palm, strength of schedule. Um, you know the ACC, the ACC schedule is uh, going to be a lot more um, formidable than that. So, um, again, still winless on the road, neutral sites. That's going to continue. So that 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 chip has sailed. Looks like he is going to get more time. So you know we'll we'll see what happens. But again, I don't think anybody is thinking that there's going to be some massive shocking turnaround. So we'll just you know bide our time. And Taylor, I swear, man, there's going to be a time on these post game shows where we're going to be celebrating wins. There's going to be a time. I can't wait to see what that's like because from the time we started doing these, it has been just not fun. <laughs> I mean, let's just call it what it is. It's been not fun. It's it, it's like it it, it turns into. Um, it is a literal listen, I, job in every sense of the word. Well, it it's like what you're talking about the job status of the coach, not the game. And like, listen, I'm going with what you know certain takeaways are. But if that's what the fans and the callers want to discuss, and what the texters want to discuss, then we have to listen to the audience, and we're going to discuss. Um, you know, when is he going to be fired or who's going to be the next coach? If that is the topic um, that's on everybody's mind, then we have to to address that. I mean, Taylor, on Thursday night, like we talked about a couple of, you know, instances of the game, but it was mostly centered on, you know, when are they going to part ways? Right. Um, having more um, fans of the team up the road than our fans was terrible. You could hear the boos over our fans, blah, blah, blah. Louisville played well for the first eight minutes, and after that, it was a wrap. So, um, for me, um, and, and I know the times that I've, I've listened to the to the postgame shows you've done, you're just talking about all the mistakes, everything that happened, and even in the wins. I mean, outside of Pepperdine – 
Which like, nobody wanted to even talk about. <laughs> we had three yeah. calls that night. But see, and but that's that's kind of where um, I also compared to like when the fan base just was done with Satterfield. Mm-hmm. Even when they played better last year, and you and you won five of your last six games or whatever it was, people were still checked out. You know, there was thirty five thousand people at Cardinal Stadium. Um, you know, and there there wasn't all that excitement. Uh, and I think that's where we are to a um, a much harsher degree. Uh, with with basketball right now, what do you think? You kind of you mentioned that, and I don't mean to like completely tank our whole conversation here, but and take it in a totally different direction. But quickly, if Satterfield was still the coach, Louisville doesn't win ten games this year, do they? No, you lose Georgia Tech, you lose to NC State, you don't beat Notre Dame. You definitely don't beat the team up the road. You're not in the ACC championship. And then uh, you don't beat USC. So you're you're probably – Seven and five in the regular season? Yeah, yeah, seven and five, standard, you know. Um, Doesn't that make you appreciate that. ten and four that much, <laughs> that much yeah. more? And, and again – as bad as the last three games of this of this season has been, and they've been bad. Louisville blew the game against the team up the road. Yep. Um, the offense was non-existent against a tough Florida State team, but you couldn't even punch it in when you had it at the red zone. Um, and then, you know, last night was um, a, a disaster on both sides of the ball. Um, and I didn't like the play calling, too. Um, I didn't like the play calling in the ACC championship for large stretches, and I didn't like the play calling last night. And if the argument is you're handcuffed due to the quarterback, then get somebody else in there for a, for a change of pace. So, um, But still, at the same time, once you take a step back, it's so tough, Taylor, in this day and age with social media and whatever, like – you can't say two things can be true all the time. It's always it's either or. Well, it's not the case. A 10-win season, finishing the season ranked, finishing the season as the second-best team in the ACC is a hell of a feat. Mm-hmm. Winning 10 games for the seventh time in program history is a fantastic feat. At the same time, how this season ended has was was a disaster. Losing the three games in the manner with which you did was bad. There's no sugarcoating that. Nope. At the same time, you still had a very good season. The first time you ever notched double-digit wins as a member of the ACC, that should be celebrated. Just as the last three games being brought up should be criticized. You can do both. 100%. Absolutely. And that's that's what we try to do on this show. You know, praise when it's warranted. Criticize when it's warranted. And the way Louisville started the season, fantastic. The way Louisville ended the season, terrible. Yeah. What do I you mean, do next season? Right. And that's and that's where we are. So Is it possible um, this team is actually better next year, but the record maybe isn't as good in the regular season just because of the schedule, because of the Clemson factor, because you're playing at Notre Dame? Because I think that is out there. I think know, they could be I, better but not have sure. the same record. I think I think you're probably I think you're going somewhere with that. I you look at what this schedule looks like for Louisville next season. And in the the non conference you've got 
of course, you've got Austin P. You've got your your FCS game. They've got Jacksonville State, which Jacksonville State was good this year. Uh, yeah. Rich Rodriguez, baby. Turn that thing around. Exactly. Turn it around quickly. Um, so you're going to have Jacksonville State. You've got, you go to Notre Dame. You go to the team up the road. So that's your non-conference. And then in conference, you go to Boston College, which the 5,000 fans that will be there at that game is not intimidating and that has noon written all over it. But I think Boston College has something in Castellano, so I think they figured that out. Uh, and I think they're going to be much improved next season. But still, you beat them like a drum this year. So you got that one. You do go to Clemson in Death Valley. Louisville's never won there. Louisville's never beaten Clemson. Um, so that's going to be difficult. You got Georgia Tech at home. You got Miami at home. You got Pitt at home. You got SMU at home. You go to Stanford, and you go to Virginia next season. So... The conference slate, with the exception of Clemson, doesn't really scare you that much. Uh, Louisville came back and beat Georgia Tech. They beat Boston College like a drum. They beat Miami. They owe Pitt a little something. Um, They beat Virginia, and they've never played uh, Stanford or SMU yet, so you don't really have anything to compare that to. But SMU... uh, you know, was had 11 wins in the American. They played a middling-level uh, Boston College team and got embarrassed today. So we'll see how they do in the conference. But looking at it on paper, it could be a 9-3 and type of year for Louisville. Maybe 10-2 and again. But I think, I think you're probably looking at a 9-3 and record in the regular season uh next season for louisville i do think though taylor this 10 win season um will kind of we're talking about recalibration and and changing expectations like i'm still of the mindset if you win eight or nine games with louisville football then yeah you know this is a good season not great but good Mm -hmm. um but, yeah, I mean, at Notre Dame is going to be tough. The team up the road, I mean, I hate to say it, but they <laughs> – it is. Those are your three toughest games next season. At Notre Dame, at the team up the road, at Clemson. Yeah. Those are your three no, at, toughest games next season. So, you need to be undefeated at home, like you mentioned. Beat Austin P, Jacksonville State, Georgia Tech, Miami, Pitt, SMU. Um, you need to be 6-0 and there. Yep. Um, Stanford certainly should be a win. Virginia should be a win. I mean, that's eight wins right there. Yeah, if and you then just at go Boston undefeated College. at home. Yeah, that should be nine. But then again, so if you're nine and three, but you lose to the three best teams, right? How would you rank them in order of winability of those three games? I would go. I, think, I would go. Notre Dame is probably your most winnable game. The team up the road and then Clemson. Yeah, um, I think I, I think Clemson would be tougher than the team up the road, um, just because I think you know they they really hit their stride the last last half of the season. I think their winners are what four or five straight. Yep. Um, and playing you know and and Death Valley obviously is is um, is a difficult task historically, even if they're they haven't been at their you know national championship level here the last couple of years. But yeah, man, there's certainly you know this team needs to go 
Um, again, this is way super early. This team needs to go, you know, nine and three next year, at a minimum. I just you need to beat the team up the road. Like we we got to we have to stop yes. the bleeding there, and you know this is there wasn't some massive gap in talent with this team. You just had the two fumbles. Yep, at the worst possible time. Absolutely, and uh, and that's part of the uh, the defense's you know four game swoon for some reason, whatever that was. And then, too, listen, people are critical of Braum and the, the the top four games only going one and three, and that's valid criticism. You know, in the, in the, in the top four games of the season, he was one and three. Now, if you want to include Miami in there as, you know, another tough matchup and say he's two and three, I would listen to that as well. Now, with Miami finishing just seven and six, uh, but yeah, you won a road game to clinch the ACC. But yeah, so, but in terms of ranked opponents, in terms of games of importance, those top four games, you're one in three. In that in that list, and so that has to improve. Um, but still, you could be critical of that and still celebrate winning 10, 10 games for the first time since being a member in the ACC. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, we got like twenty minutes left. I wanted to get any text. Uh, let's see. We've got a few. Let's let's see what we got here. Uh, la 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 la. The texter says, "I've seen Sean Miller with great teams, and he underperforms harder than Cal." Uh, texter says, "I would rank my uh, coaches Hurley and then Scott Drew." Uh, Hurley's not coming. Yeah, no. That that's a pie in the sky. Texter says Shaka Smart. He hasn't done anything since VCU except for this year. Tournament wise, yeah. Yep. I mean, last year he was a two seed, but yeah, but still lost in the second round. Texter says Sat would have lost to Miami as well this season. Correct. Uh, Texter says Smart, Tang, May, Cronin would work, but they're not the same buzz as some of the others. Yeah, and th- I think too, um, it's important to know this is this is something I'm going to repeat. I mean, you just prepare yourself. Like there is no, there's no Patino out there outside of this. You know, again, I I would put the chances of Jay Wright being the coach at less than five percent. But out, after that, guys, there's just not. I mean, remember, there's a slew of Hall of Famers that have retired. Yeah, Jay Wright, Roy Williams, Mike. Like you, you, you may now have, have like- yes. You have to find, you know, the next crop of coaches that are going to be. Um, you got to make a Hall of Famer know, now. Exactly. So, you know, again, it's whoever's going to be hired will be a massive upgrade. But still, it might not be. So if you get like, um, you know, let's say it's a Mick Cronin. Okay, all the coaches that we're gonna that we're gonna get, no matter what, it, they're gonna have their warts. But still, you're going to be in a better situation to be successful uh, both long-term and in the short-term because those coaches are established and they actually have a vision and a plan that they want to execute. No, you're 100% right. I mean, you you said it earlier. Like, after the Kenny Payne experience, like, you're open to anything. I mean, after the Kenny Payne experience, anything will be better than what we've been dealing with. I mean, I remember, guys, the last time, um, you know, Cronin and Payne were the names that you heard the most. And I was like, man, I'd take Payne over Cronin. 
at that time. Oof. You know what I mean? I must bus was first. Yep. Um, I think pain was always in my top three, but like, I was like, you know, I'd really, if, if, if it comes down to Cronin or pain, I want pain and that's where it was. Oh, you um, got pain. All right. Yeah, you did. We're all in pain. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, that's where we are. It changes, obviously everything now, you know, hindsight's 2020, yeah. but, um, but yeah, that's where we are now. And so again, I think whoever the new coach is going to be, there's going to be warts, but it's still, we're going to be, we're going to be set up much better for success. I wanted to get to this since we have a little bit of time left here in the show. I wanted to give you a moment for this. And we didn't talk about this. So you, I don't think you, you probably don't even know where I'm going. All right. Florida State had made some waves this week. About last week, it was the end of last week. About wanting to get out of the ACC, challenging the ACC. Granted, right? Conference realignment. Yes. So we're back. <laughs> so. Give me your thoughts, A, on Florida State challenging the grant of rights. How do you see this going? The ACC has issued a countersuit. Um, how do you see this thing playing out? And what do you think the end game is? Because to my knowledge, they won out, but they don't have a place to go right now. Nobody's offered think, Florida State a lifeline yet. No. And I think, too, it's because, you know, the the two conferences, obviously the Big Ten and the SEC, um, don't want to find themselves in a lawsuit with any type of tampering. So they're going to, they're gonna, you know, distance themselves from any situation that would lead, you know, that would tie them to Florida State. Right. What I think is going to happen, number one, this is going to get super ugly. Oh, yeah. You mentioned the ACC suing them as well. They actually did that first. They did a preemptive (laughs) um, strike before Florida State made theirs official on Friday, last Friday. The ACC went ahead and filed on Thursday. I think now um, we are at a point to where, you know, Florida State is done with the bluster, and now they're about that action. Mm-hmm. So I think I still think though this won't get remedied for another two years. So I think Florida State um, will be an ACC member for at least two more years. And as soon as they announce they're leaving and they have to pay the half a billion dollars or whatever astronomical amount, I think I think too, Taylor, they're going to be forced to sell. Because it's going to get so ugly. They're going to make it. They've already made it known that the ACC has failed them. They don't want to be a part of the league. Um, but I think the ACC, you know, as they should, are going to fight it. Because if if they find it out. Now, if they find it out, all bets are off. And then, you know, of course, the Miami D, AD was asked about it today. And he was like, you know, we're, we're going to be watching this closely. Um, I forgot exactly the term that he used. But it's like, for now, we're proud members of the ACC. Oh, yeah. For now. Well, right. abs- exactly. So, and, and and it will be a sieve. I mean, it will be everybody. Um, everybody you know, fend for the, themselves is what it will be. Yeah. So, it'll be Florida State, Miami, Clemson, um, Virginia. North Carolina. North Carolina, North Carolina yeah. Because once they um, break, for, break the grant of rights, then it's a free-for-all. Everybody's going to bail. Yeah. 
Um, so, and I think in so terms what happens to of Louisville? Big 12. Big 12. Big 12. Yeah. Big 12. And who and I goes think with you're them? Gonna Pitt. Yeah. Yeah, so that Pitt and West Virginia are back in the same conference. I think Virginia Tech, um, I yep. mentioned them earlier. Yep. I, th- I think Virginia Tech is probably a better fit. And, and then not from an athletic standpoint, but I could see the Big Ten getting Virginia. Yeah. Yeah, Vir- North Carolina and Virginia get linked to the Big Ten a lot. I want Florida State and Miami, but they want And I think, but I think, well, I think Florida State, I think Florida State, I don't think Florida State and the SEC are a possibility as it stands right now. I think the destination, once Florida State leaves in a couple of years, I think they're Big Ten bound. I, mean, I, think I agree. About it. Yeah. They need, they need a, a Southeast brand. Fox does not have that right now with, with, with the Big Ten. No. That would, that would give them um, an upper hand in negotiations. Again, we've said this numerous times on this show. The ACC already own or ESPN already owns the ACC property, so again, it would make more sense for them to go to another network. Yeah, Florida State does for. not exactly have a good relationship with ESPN right now. No. So my guess is that they would probably like to stick at the ESPN and go to the Big Ten if they can possibly do that. Plus, you you have the Big Ten; they already own the Midwest. They're going to take a lot of ownership of the West Coast. They go get two southeastern teams. You've got a full country conference. So. So let's say, you know, like you said, Ethan, if 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 it's Florida State, North Carolina, Virginia, Clemson in the Big Ten, then what happens to and and, and let's say Louisville goes to the uh, to the Big Twelve, what happens to Miami? Does the Big Ten take an uneven number of teams and grab Miami? You don't think they would go with Florida State? Yeah, I would think they'd I be think a they travel partner with Florida, Florida State. State. I yeah. think because Miami fits Miami fits that same mold of the Big Ten private school. Um, so does the Big academics. Ten take four teams then, or do they take five and be uneven? That's the four, question. I think. And yeah, and then how many does the SEC counter with? So, um, you know, I've always been of the mindset: if the SEC expanded to twenty, Louisville's not in it. Yeah. If for some reason they wanted to go to 24, I think Louisville would find a spot there. But I honestly, guys, I see if this happens and if Florida State now if Florida State still leaves and they can't negotiate or and they can't get out of the grant of rights, then it looks like Florida State could be in no man's land or Big Ten will be an uneven number. I mean, hell, you know, they had 11 teams and we'll call the Big Ten for right. years anyways. Right. But. If so, there, it's it's there's multiple prongs with this. So let's just hypothetically say there's an out, and they win the lawsuit. That means other teams can leave. The question becomes: Does the Big Ten add two or four teams? If they add two, and those are the biggest brands, so Florida State, Miami go to the Big Ten, Clemson, and you know. North Carolina, I don't know, but to see that's the thing. North Carolina and Clemson can fit as well. What about Duke? Two. Is right. North Carolina yeah, exactly. and Duke not what going happens, together? Yeah. What happens to Duke? What happens to Wake? What happens to NC State? What happens to Georgia Tech? I think, I, to answer your question today for the Big 12, I think off the top, the top four for the Big 12 are Louisville, Pitt, NC State, Virginia Tech. Yeah, I agree. And I think Georgia Tech maybe um, as well. But, I mean, you've heard Georgia Tech be mentioned with the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. 
because of their, their academic academics. prowess and in, in Atlanta. It just all comes down to how many schools do the do the big two want to add? If they yeah. want to add four each, then Louisville's best move is to the Big 12. If they only add two each, then you can make the argument that the ACC, you know, Louisville can stay in the ACC. Um, but then what happens in Notre Dame? And remember with that with that con- the contract um, finding of, you know, any time the ACC is under 15 schools, you know, they can renegotiate for less. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Louisville's not going to like getting less money. Um, and if you're in the neighborhood of the Big 12, why not just go to the Big 12? Because it's that much more stable. So, right. Florida State holds the key to this. I, for one, I'm just I'm being honest. I'm glad that they've passed the bluster stage and they're yeah. kind of putting their money where their mouth is. And at the end of the day, it, it's probably going to take several more months. And even if they do, you're looking at, what, 25, 26? Yeah. Before Florida State's playing in another league. But I do think they're going to be out of the ACC a lot faster than I first thought. Because I was talking to you know, anybody that would talk conference realignment, I was saying, eh, pay attention to 2030, 2031. You're about five years out of the grant of rights. But now, you know, I think Florida State is going to be out of the ACC well before 2030. And, you know, I'm thinking they're probably in a new league. If you give me an over/under of two and a half, I'm probably taking the over, and I think they're they're in a new league within three years. I'm not particularly worried about Louisville because I agree with you. I think they're going to have a landing spot in the Big Twelve. If I'm some of these other schools in the ACC, if I'm Wake Forest, if I'm, I'm Wake, nervous. if I'm Syracuse, if I'm Boston College, I'm really nervous about. What's going to happen to me? Where my spot is going to be? Because the Big 12 is not clamoring for Wake Forest. They're not clamoring for Boston College or, or Syracuse. The only but Taylor, way, right now, yeah. right now though, does the Big 12, will they have 14? That's a very good question. Uh, so I believe the, they do. If that's the case, man, then I think I think you throw Syracuse in there. With with Georgia Tech. So that would be Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, Louisville, Pitt, um, Syracuse. So Big 12 will have 16 say? teams in 2024. That's right. Ooh. Well, then, yeah, well, maybe not then because I think they would, I think they would definitely add four. Definitely. To get to um, 20. Uh-huh. And then I could see, I could see a scenario where – the SEC and the Big Ten add, like, there's going to be 12 teams poached from the ACC, mm-hmm. if that's the case, and the grant of rights um, is is defeated in the court system. Yeah, but so, then again, what do you do with Stanford? I mean, you, you could still make the case that they could go to the to the Big Ten. You yeah, know, that's but true. But they didn't want them at first. That's but, true. You know, I don't know. But I think for for Louisville, the landing spot is the Big 12. SMU may end Um, up in the Big 12 after all. Yeah, about that. (laughs) Yeah. But I think you're looking at you're looking at before 2030, you're going to have three power conferences. Yeah, I think. Oh, it's going to happen before then. I think. Oh yeah, two two of the three are going to have more power, but still, you're going to have, um, you know, around 60 teams ish. You know, maybe 70 team again. does a team get left out? We keep saying there will be, but um, does Notre Dame stay perpetually of, independent? I think so. 
I think they yeah they've got with no that reason sweetheart to, deal right? for the playoff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I think with the this, instability. Yeah, this further cements their not joining a conference. Yeah. Um, you know, or I, I don't know. I just wish that the college football playoff would have made it tougher for them to basically say, "Hey, you got to you have to join a league." Or and yeah, they already what they they can't get a top four seat. Is that correct? Or that they is can't correct. Host That's correct. Yeah, yes, they, can't, they host. can't. They they can host as a five, but they can never get a buy. Right there, you go. That's true. That's good. Maybe maybe there there's a situation and they get left out. Maybe they're the number twelve team and. and a scenario next year, and they have to start thinking about it. Because remember, you may just they're thirteen next season and get left out. Yeah, well, well, they ha- they have to add a group of five in there for the. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah right. group, there is the, the highest ranked group of five is automatically in. Oh, there you go. I, so, they wouldn't like, get a buy, but they would get in. But even three years ago, nobody envisioned. UCLA, USC, Oregon, and Washington going to the Big Ten. No. Is, is, is early as three years ago. Nobody could fathom that. So, who knows? Like, maybe maybe there's – maybe the, the, the SEC and the Big Ten add, you know, four to six, eight schools. I don't know. But I will tell you this. I do think that the meteorites bubble will pop um, in the next rounds of negotiations. Again – the SEC wanted more money to go to nine games. There wasn't money for that ninth game, so that's why they're staying at eight. There, I think basically all of these the sports um, entertainment industries are maxed out in terms of funds. I, I don't see um, SEC or Big Ten teams bringing in a hundred million dollars per year per team. I just don't. I think those. I think those. Um, projections are off base, and I don't think they're accurate. Now, there's still going to be a lot more in the ACC, a lot more in the Big Twelve. But I still, I would really pump the brakes on that big of a number for annual payouts for schools. I really liked Chip Kelly's idea of yep. football's yes. just independent. Everybody else could be in a league, but college football is independent, and everybody just they're in their own league of their own, and schedule whoever you want to schedule, and there is no. Conference affiliation. That should have happened a long time ago, and yes. it might have saved the NCAA. Yes. It might have saved this whole thing because there is no reason for the field hockey team to be no at, at USC to be going to play in Piscataway. It's no. different when you're doing it two or three games a week as opposed to you're just playing on Saturday. No, That's there's it. there's no reason. I mean, the ACC could hold together the way that they are, and ACC basketball could still be incredible. And you play all of these teams like normal, and the football teams just are not affiliated with the conference. Man, I, I loved how the fact you brought up conference realignment. I figured you would. And this it wasn't my fault this time. My I little late Christmas that. No. gift for you. <laughs> I appreciate that. I know I'm always uh, – but, yeah, this is going to be a cha- ever-changing landscape, and this is another reason why, you know, I'm glad despite how the season ended – we picked a great time to be ranked and to win ten and to win ten games in a single season with this landscape shifting that's directed by college football. It's great to have a team that's, that's certainly relevant once again. Absolutely, that'll do it. That'll do it for us tonight. Thank you guys so much for listening, calling, texting, and tweeting us. We certainly appreciate it. We look forward to talking with you next week for a couple hours about all things UFL football, basketball, and recruiting. This podcast will be up here shortly. I'm Ethan Moore for Taylor Lynch and Zach Cantrell. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, go come. Looking for a rewarding career? One that empowers you to serve your community? 
change lives, and reach your fullest potential? Become a correctional officer for the Kentucky Department of Corrections and earn up to $28.30 an hour with great benefits. Help create a better, safer Kentucky. Apply today for a correctional officer position in your community at careers.ky.gov. That's careers.ky.gov. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Arts. 